News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Messias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Welcome to episode 178 of the Luke Messiah Show. Guys, we are going to come to you this week with a discussion uh, with Ken Cuccinelli of the Center for Renewing America about the need to declare an invasion operationally what they and we have been asking conservatives to do at the border, conservative governors like Doug Ducey and Abbott, I should say Republican governors like Doug Ducey and Greg Abbott, who are in states that are red and have red control of their legislatures and could take action to secure the border. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but today we're going to break down in even more detail. And not only that, I brought Ken on because they recently published a piece at Center for Renewing America that basically countered some of the concerns that Abbott and Ducey have said as to why they don't think Texas may be able to secure the border. Just to remind you, Governor Abbott has not said that he won't secure the Texas border, but what we've basically been living the last two years in is this place where Abbott says, I'm doing everything I can to secure the border. And then a month or two later, we'll say, I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. And every two months we get, I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more, which means he's not doing everything he could. And he's still not. And Cuccinelli and Center for Renewing America and many of us and Don Huffines when he was running for governor, Alan West when he was running for governor, all brought up the fact that this is what needs to happen. We are being invaded Federal government has abdicated its responsibility and we can step up. So Ken does a great job articulating that. I'm not going to go into any more detail because I think you will learn from him uh, this information, which I think will be really helpful. And also the specific paper that they published, which directly counters some of the concerns that Governor Abbott brought up. Also, the very last question I asked Ken is really important just when it comes to the worldview that we have and how we engage in the political process. And Ken, as somebody who's got a ton of experience both as an elected official and as an activist and as an administration official in the Trump White House can come, I think, with a really unique perspective on how you are to engage in this battle. What time is it and what is it that you need to be doing? How should we treat Republicans that are in the party that we are in as well? Uh, and how do we look at our elected officials when they're not taking action they need to take? So I would really encourage you to listen for that particular part. Uh, really hope you enjoy the conversation I have with Ken Cuccinelli. So I am joined by Ken Cuccinelli, a great patriot uh, who is one of the few patriots that doesn't come from Texas. And so we uh, will at least accept a couple of those people. Uh, Ken, thank you for coming on today. We have talked a lot about the the need for um, a an invasion to be declared here in Texas and, and for our state to actually acknowledge the reality that not only is the federal government not doing its job by securing our border, but that it actually can now take over that responsibility as a result of the federal government abdicating its duty. You have been one of the leading voices, one of the policy experts on the front lines talking about this issue from day one. And I wanted to bring you on because one of the things that I have heard from Doug Ducey, governor of Arizona, Governor Abbott here in our state of Texas has been this idea that one of the reasons they're not sure that they can fully, fully, fully do what it is a lot of us on the conservative side of the party have asked them to do is because they will potentially put our own government officials in jeopardy. I would not want to ask them to do something that would potentially cost them um, their jobs, put them in jail, put them in prison. So what, I, what I'd like you to do is, one, just kind of remind us a little bit about 
the declar- the invasion declaration and the actual substantive policy actions that y'all have said need to take place. And then secondarily, the recent paper y'all published to discuss um, your counter to some of the concerns that Republicans have mentioned on this policy issue. Right. Well, we're glad to do it. Uh, given the ongoing and intentional um, abandonment of border security by the Biden administration, it's natural for people to ask the question, what can states do? And the founding fathers uh, envisioned problems like this, where border states would have to fend for themselves. And in article, at the very end of Article 1 is the invasion clause, self-defense clause, people call it different things, where states are forbidden from waging war unless actually invaded. Now, we're not talking about tanks and planes. We're literally just talking about using your forces to repel those invading your state. It's important for people to remember this is not immigration law. This is a whole different source of authority. It comes straight from the Constitution. And the states weren't granted this. They kept it when they formed the federal government. It's always important to remember that the states formed the federal government. And this gave them the ability to protect themselves when the federal government wouldn't do it. Here we have the federal government not protecting us. Um, Governors Abbott and Ducey have used the word invasion themselves many times, Um, but they need to formally declare that they are being invaded as a constitutional matter, not just use the rhetoric. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they can use their National Guard and their state law enforcement to turn people back, to put them back into Mexico. And I and Mark Morgan and other experts on border security have all said all along, even from the beginning of Operation Lone Star, that until you're putting people back into Mexico, you will not slow the flow. That is an absolutely critical element if you actually want to move the needle. We've now had more than a year of Operation Lone Star. Really cool sounding name. Sounds tough. Lots of great photo ops. And that's all they've been. Because if you look at the numbers for the, since the beginning of Operation Lone Star, the one thing you cannot see is any evidence that it has affected the flow whatsoever. Governor Ducey, of course, has his own cool name for his program, Operation. It's Border Strike Force over there. Mm-hmm. You notice there are all these tough, cool <laughs> names. And um, this is not a complicated undertaking. Um, Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich has issued a legal opinion noting that Arizona is being invaded and that their governor, as the commander-in-chief of Arizona, has the authority to declare an invasion and repel that invasion. Again, we're not talking about tanks and planes and shooting people at the border. What it looks like, in effect, is a lot like the Title 42 public health order, where you just grab them in between ports of entry literally put them in vans or buses, take them back to the border, fingerprint them, take their picture, probably give them a backpack of food and water, and literally drive them into Mexico, not to the border, as Governor Abbott recently announced, over the border, and don't let them back in. That's the key. So not complicated, doesn't involve building new facilities. Um, It really just looks like state officials doing more or less the same thing under this constitutional authority that federal officials 
have been doing since March of 2020 under public health authority. Just a, uh, I remember last legislative session in 2021, the, uh, our appropriations chairman in the Texas House, Greg Bonin, who's very close to Abbott. You know, these guys are working very closely together. He got up and talked about the a little bit of wall they were going to build. And it was a very small portion that they were appropriating at the time because there wasn't an active primary at the time. There was no reason to, like, build a lot of wall. It was just a little. But when uh, he was asked about it, he specifically said, well, we're going to strategically build this at certain areas so that we concentrate the flow of people coming in. That was his direct words. And that's when I I started talking to different lawmakers and people who cared about the border in Texas at the time. And I go, I need you to hear what the Republican leadership just said. They literally said that their objective is to concentrate the flow as if all the Texans in South Texas are saying, hey, we don't have a problem with a million people coming in this year, but can we make sure they come in in a little more orderly fashion? And and so we often are planning to fail when we've set this up. And, and you mentioned this earlier with the announcement that, hey, we're going to take them back to the port of entry. Well, if I pick them up in one place in Texas, I take them to another place in Texas, I leave them there, and then they – all I'm doing is changing the road by which they go to Houston right. or New York. And, and so – so, Ken, one of the things that they've said is, hey, I one of my potential and, – and nobody – I feel like – and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't followed Ducey as closely. But, you know, Abbott has not expressly said, I can't. He just continues to kind of bring up these potential barriers. And one of them has been said, well, I might jeopardize my own people. So can you talk about what y'all recently published um, kind of countering that concern? Yeah, so it's not an unreasonable concern on the governor's part to, you know, watch out for his own people. I, would, I wouldn't respect him if he didn't keep an eye out on that. But the fact of the matter is, it appears he's using that as an excuse to not act. And we all remember growing up, the, a phrase along the lines of, with authority comes responsibility. Yep. So what I see happening here is your governor is avoiding responsibility by denying he has the authority. You follow me? Yep. And this is, as you said, Luke, it's an excuse that is not a valid excuse. And we've analyzed it thoroughly at the Center for Renewing America and released a paper on it about a week ago, demonstrating that the most likely way that federal officials might try to be legally aggressive with state law enforcement that was repelling an invasion would be criminal civil rights laws, which were designed um, in the um, post-Civil War era to deal with law enforcement officers who abused their authority um, to deny people their civil rights. And um, so it's a tailor-made law if it were appropriate to apply. We went through element by element, Luke, and we found that three of the elements of the offense utterly fail. There's, it's not a close call. They simply don't exist. Hmm. So while I respect the concern that any leader should have for the well-being of their people, um, mission is critical. And heck, if he asked them for volunteers, He'd be overwhelmed. Um, and I would say 
years back, I was a state legislator myself. I wouldn't vote for these appropriations. And I wouldn't vote for them because they're a waste of money unless the commander in chief is going to actually leverage them to slow the flow into the state. This really looks like just a whole series of photo ops for Governor Abbott. But on the old, you know, one of the great things about President Trump is what he cared about was results. Well, the results of Operation Lone Star have been sad and underwhelming, uh, to say the least, um, including the heavy use, some have said abuse, of your National Guard by activating so many of them for such long periods of time, but without an achievable mission. Mm -hmm. If I'm a guardsman, I, you know, part of the reason I'm a guardsman is because of my loyalty to my state and my country, and I'm happy to step into missions where I can help. But I didn't sign up to be a governor's photo op prop. Yep. That does appear to be what's going on right now. And um, so, again, with the latest excuse of concern for federal officials state officials, um, setting aside what that would look like uh, on a number of levels, um, the, the law doesn't support it. Doesn't mean they can't make the arrest. What it means is they can't make the case. And there's yeah. nothing stopping Texas from funding that person's defense and paying their salary. Hell, if for some crazy reason they were held in jail, they could still pay their salary. They could pay them a bonus. Yep. Yep. It's part of the difference in the dual sovereignty between the state, federal, and the federalism. And one of the benefits of it is states can defend themselves and protect themselves. But you need a governor who's willing to do it. So, Ken, I know we only have a handful, a uh, couple more minutes here, uh, and thank you so much for giving us a little bit of time. I want to close with um, one just kind of a statement so that people kind of understand the differences of what Center for Renewing America has changed and then ask you about kind of some of the pushback you may have gotten. So one of the unique things I feel like you and Russ Vote at Center for Renewing America have been able to accomplish is that um, so much of larger national conservative media – uh, spends its time just constantly shooting at Democrats. And we all think they're socialists and Marxists, so we should shoot at them uh, rhetorically. But when, when people stand up and acknowledge the fact that Republicans actually have authority to govern and can use different tools to stop different things that are literally tearing down society's basic foundations, it's uncomfortable. And, and Republican media doesn't often focus on these things because – Again, it's kind of the pointing the finger inward and it ticks off everybody. Politicians don't like anyone talking about it. There's these old adages. I'm sure you had them in Virginia where it was like, hey, if you disagree with what a politician's doing, just go meet with them. Just go tell them in private what they should do and keep asking them. But don't go out and talk to the media. And y'all have been on Fox News and other national outlets regularly saying this is what needs to happen and the actor that you're asking to take the action is a Republican in a Republican state with Republican control who can take that action. So t can you just leave us with your last couple minutes here? Because um, we've got you know thousands of listeners all across Texas who are engaged in politics. And I would love for them to hear from you as somebody who's been in this for a long time. They don't all know your background, but as a state legislator, as an attorney general, as somebody who served in the Trump administration, in those different facets – 
What is the power of actually vocalizing and advocating for these solutions and forcing Republicans? What are the type of things we should be doing tactically to force the party to the right? So a couple of things. First of all, remember, it isn't just about winning elections. It's about winning them with people with the guts to do something when they're there. And, um, and that's a big difference. Uh, for instance, we all have high hopes when the Republicans take the House this November. My message, be prepared to be disappointed. I mean, we're going back to the same old leadership that failed us with love last time they were in the majority. I'm not quite sure why anybody thinks they're going to be so much better this time. Mm -hmm. um, I hope to be wrong. I hope the grassroots is learning their lesson as they support people. Primaries do matter. And, um, uh, you know, finding people who aren't risk averse who are willing to put their beliefs into action, Ron DeSantis is a good example at the governor level, um, is invaluable. I'm a Republican because they're wrong less. That's the best I can do. Um, I don't do this for the Republican Party. I do it because of the principles that underlie this country that draw me to be a conservative and that are universal and timeless. And, um, and we're well articulated in the Declaration of Independence. Um, that's, that's my guide star. And uh, if, if the Republican leadership ever stops paying more attention to donors than to doing the right thing, um, the Republican Party will suddenly become a dominant force in politics at multiple levels. Um, and, the, and the bottom half of the GOP is this way. But the, the donor-focused and, and liberal half is not, and, they, and that's a problem. That is a major problem. Um, so I'd urge your listeners to keep pushing. Um, you know, people will tell you, oh, I'm in the Republican you know, conservative caucus or whatever the heck, study committee, the biggest group of conservatives, blah, blah, blah. Tell me about how you're fighting with Kevin McCarthy. Tell me how you're willing to fight with Steve Scalise when he when he stops being a conservative by joining the leadership. What are you willing to do? Jim DeMint wrote an op-ed in the 2010 wave, the Tea Party wave, that was brilliant. And, and he gave a very simple piece of advice. Don't want anything. Because they bribe you with cheap, simple stuff. This If you ever want to be on this committee, if you want to get this in your district, don't want any of it don't want any of it. And then they have no leverage over you. You just do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So, and Center for Renewing America, we are not uncomfortable making Republicans uncomfortable uh, because you're, you're not going to get good outcomes. The point isn't to win elections. It's to make America better and to make America great, as great as we possibly can. It's the greatest force for good in the world and the world benefits from that effort. So, no one should ever apologize for that. Well, Ken, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for enlightening us on some of these different policy issues. Thank you for the work that you're doing in advocating for some of these actual solutions that will actually secure the border. Right now, we do not have a secure border. We don't have operational control of the border. We know we've ceded that to the cartels, and we've, for 
the last several years basically just allowed them to run that and said, hey, let's send as many people down there that look good in photos that can help facilitate that in a, in a better way. Y'all have really brought that to light on a national stage, and we in Texas have been really uh, grateful for the work that y'all are doing as we're trying to advance these same type of ideas and narratives here in the state. So thank you for joining us, and we'll bring you back again to talk more about other topics, I'm sure, in the future. Thank you so much, Ken. My pleasure. Good to be with you. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that conversation. Uh, I am really grateful that Ken came on, and there's a whole lot more he has to say and stuff that he could share with us, and hopefully we'll have him back on in the future. But we had a a limited amount of time. Uh, This was a particular week, though, that I really did want to bring this information based on the fact that they just published this paper recently. And so we wanted to make the time to make sure that you got this information. Guys, a couple other things that you need to know are going on in Texas. One is a story that Texas Scorecard actually recently wrote about Representative Cole Hefner. Cole Hefner is somebody who kind of identifies himself as a very conservative Republican, and he votes on the conservative wing of the party. Let's say in the top 20 conservatives, Cole can often be found, meaning he will vote with Democrats less than most of his Republican colleagues, okay? And so I say that to be charitable towards his actual voting record, but here's what you need to understand. Cole is very loyal to House leadership, incredibly loyal to House leadership, Dade Phelan. Um, he's been put in positions of power as a result of that, and they've overlooked a lot of his indiscretions in order to facilitate him as somebody or put him in a position as somebody who can be a facilitator of power within the halls of the Capitol. And so, When the Smith County Republican Party began to have a discussion about banning Democrat chairman in the Texas House of Representatives, Cole Hefner went to that meeting and went all in on trying to convince these Republican precinct chairmen that we actually really, really do need to empower Democrats with chairmanships that they can use to kill Republican platform uh, priorities, platform items, Republican policies. You don't understand, guys. And there really is this hierarchical arrogance of like, if you really got it, you would know that we have to give Democrats all this power and that we're able to get all this other stuff done as a result of all the power that we give them. People that hate you, people that are fundamentally Marxist, people that think you are racist scum that need to be eliminated from the state of Texas. Those people really should be put in positions of power and chairmanships and overview and like basically govern entire sections of policy code in the Texas, um, in Texas law. Why Cole? Well, Cole went and made a very impassioned argument speaking for 20 plus minutes to the Smith County Republican party. And unfortunately he did probably convince quite a few precinct chairmen. You know what? Maybe we are wrong. Maybe Democrats are supposed to be given all this power and it's, it's good that that happens. Here's the good news though. He didn't convince enough because the Smith County Republican Party still passed a resolution calling for a ban on Democrat chairman. Just like the Republican Party of Texas just did as a legislative priority, this is a battle that Brian Slayton brought to life. His decision as an incoming freshman, somebody who people would say, hey, sit down and shut up and don't say anything. He steps up and goes, hey, I think we should have a rule that Democrats aren't chairman of committees. They're using it to kill all of our policies. Everyone loses their mind and votes against him. And now the entire Republican base has said, what are y'all doing? Waking all those people up to just how bad the culture is in Austin. 
So I appreciate the fact that Representative Hefner is honest, that he does believe in empowering Democrats and went and fought hard for that. And I'm also really grateful that a majority of precinct chairmen voted against his wishes and with the Republican platform and with guys, oh, over 85% of Republican voters said, we want to ban Democrat chairs. We want to do it. Can you imagine being a state representative? The, the amount of arrogance and detachment you have to have from reality. When 80 plus percent of the people in your entire community go, hey, would you please ban Democrat chairs? Like one, less than one in five. What is that? One in six, one in seven are sitting out there going like, hey, I'd really like you to give Democrats a little more power. Okay. That's all you got. One in 10, one in nine. Hey, could you empower Democrats just a little bit more? That'd be cool. That's your number. And that person is probably like the Mitt Romney, Liz Cheney wing of the party. And you're a politician and you vote against the Democrats. You're like, I'm a top conservative. But really, you don't understand. The Liz Cheney, Romney people in our party, they're the only ones that really get it. They're the only ones who really know how to pass all this conservative policy, the type of environment we need. It's insane. So thank you, Smith County Republican Party, for standing up against some pretty ludicrous statements. Very naive uh, positions that Representative Hefner presented. Thank you for ignoring that rhetoric and being willing to stand up. And I hope that other Republicans across the state take this and go, wow, we as a local party can pass these same resolutions because it's absolutely phenomenal what they did in Smith County. Really good work. The Texas House Republican Caucus has not announced the results of its vote. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what happens, whether all three get censured. I will tell you this. uh, It was very intentional that the caucus divided the vote and made sure that you could decide which of the three members to suspend, whether you wanted to spend all three or just one or two of the three, um, because the the results will also send a message. So you could potentially have a split ballot where some members get suspended and some don't for doing the same things. Um, And so they'll show we kind of have this, and we've already talked about that on this podcast, that there's no really rule, fast and loose. I mean, Dustin Burroughs can target 10 members. Ben Lamont can do this. But what if the guy Ben Lamont targeted, you actually don't like? So you'll vote. That's okay. I'm okay with what he did. But Jeff Kaysen, he violated the rule against someone that I do like, so I'm going to vote to suspend him. So it'll be really interesting to see what the results come out as, um, and we will come to you with information on what that is and the implications of that for each and every one of you when it happens. Thank you so much for staying tuned to all the information that we continue to bring you. Thank you for caring about the future of the state of Texas. Guys, uh, this is a fight we're in and you know, it's a fight worth having, you know, it's a fight worth engaging in. You know that these issues actually matter, that real lives are at stake, that an entire nation is also at stake because we know that without Florida, where the heck would we be? But after Florida, you have this massive state called Texas and Texas went blue. You wouldn't have the United States of America. But then the question is, with with it being a red state, what is even happening within it? Is the border actually being secured? 
Is the indoctrination not happening at our state universities? Are we not sexualizing our children through, through drag shows and sex change surgeries? And you know what? If those things are happening, then all we're doing is ushering Texas into this leftward bent purple blue state a little slower than the rest of the United States of America. And that's not okay. And we don't think it's okay here in the Luke Messiah show. We know so many of you don't think it's okay. And if you know other people who don't think it's okay, talk to them, engage them, and pull them into the fight. That's what's important. Thank you so much for following along. Have a blessed week. May God bless you, and may God bless the great state of Texas. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. This program is brought to you by Scorecard Media. Check out texasscorecard.com to read up on all things Texas. Scorecard Media has other podcasts as well. Yeah, they're not as good as this one, but you should still check them out. Honestly, though, visit texasscorecard.com to see all the content they're producing on a daily basis. If you'd like our podcast to grow, please consider subscribing to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review. That helps others find the content we're producing. Thank you. God bless you and God bless Texas. Texas.